Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic. I am your co-host today. Pam Bentley, and I say co-host because I usually have R.C. Wazlowski with me, but he is not here today to make room for two guests. Um, we have with us today Ellie Crouchy-Gardner and Tinwe Lam. Fiona Tinwe Lam. Fiona Tinwe Lam. I have to say both. We were checking it out before, and I said Fiona Lam, and you said Tinwe Lam, and I was like, okay, I won't use the Fiona. <laughs> it's always something. There's always something to get right. Got it right now. Yeah, we got it right now. Um, so we're going to have you start with a poem like we always do. I think you've sorted out between you who's going to read first. Today it's a little bit different because you're not reading your own poetry. You're reading poems by Elise Partridge. That's right. Yeah. So let's hear one of Elise's poems to get us started. Here's a poem by Elise Partridge called Chemo Side Effects Memory. Where is the word I want? Groping in the thicket, about to pinch the dangling berry, my finger pads close on air. I can hear it scrabbling like a squirrel on the oak's far side. Word, please send over this black stretch of ocean your singular flare. Blaze your topaz in the mind's blank. I could always pull the gift from the lucky dip barrel, scoop the right jewel from my dragon's trove. Now I flail. The wrong item creaks up on the mental dumbwaiter. No use. It's turning out of sight. A bicycle down a Venetian alley I clatter after, only to find gondolas bobbing in sunny silence, a pigeon mumbling something I just can't catch. That is what it feels like when you're looking for a word, isn't it? That's right. It's that hunt, that, that futile hunt. And it's like it's just around the corner. It's right there. I, it's it. Yeah. Um, so you chose that poem to start out. Yes. Um, why? Elise Partridge uh, is a fabulous poet who recently passed away in January of this year. And she has a new book coming out. Um, she's famous for her poems about her experience of cancer. Um, but she's written so much more. Um, and as a poet, I thought this worked uh, as uh, anyone working with words knows that we we try, we try to find the right words, we struggle. And so it's not just about um, being ill and losing your memory through chemotherapy or Alzheimer's or anything like that or aging. It's about wanting, wanting words, searching for words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The perfect one. The perfect one, exactly. Right. And it's ironic because the poem is full of perfect words, <laughs> yet yes. it's about not finding them. Yes. Um, so I wanted to know, because you're, you're both here because of this book launch coming up. And, That's correct. Um, this book, because you said she is well known for her poems, is the book mostly poems about her illness? Or is there other stuff in there as well? 
Well, her new book, Exiles Gallery, uh, that's been published by Anansi Press, is a book that isn't directly about cancer. It is a, a book that covers a wide uh, period of time. Would you agree, Ellie? Absolutely. It covers childhood. It covers friendships. It covers love, uh, mortality. Chameleon Hours, her previous book of poetry that was shortlisted for the Dorothy Levesay Prize and also won the Canadian Authors Poetry Prize, uh, is mostly dealing with the cancer issue. Mm -hmm. This one is the aftermath. It was written um, after Chameleon Hours, and it does touch upon uh, reflections over a life, but it's it's a very whole book, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not familiar with Elisa's poetry, and I've, I'm sure I probably saw her at a reading or before uh, in the last few years, because I've lived here about, for about six years now. Uh, but I was really struck by the response in January to her death by so many poets and how everybody talked about her poetry and her, her craft as a poet, but then also her as a person and what a wonderful person she was. And I'm wondering if you can say a little bit about what you think it was that evokes that kind of response to Elise Partridge. Well, Ellie Partridge, Ellie can talk about this as well, um, and she will. I think Elise is a poet's poet. Mm. Uh, She was published in The New Yorker. She uh, went to school at Harvard. Uh, She was a joint American-Canadian citizen. and uh, so they, they know her in uh, Ontario, they know her in Boston, right. uh, they know her in Vancouver. Um, and uh, so it's very hard to get into the New Yorker. Um, so once you're in, it's sort of like, oh, uh, poets kowtow to you in a way because they know that you've been um, chosen. Um, <laughs> but she was such a craftswoman, really, really careful in her use of half rhyme and uh, line breaks and choice of language, a real uh, assiduousness and fastidiousness uh, that made her a wonderful editor and a mentor and a teacher to many of the poets in town. And I'm sure Ellie can talk about that. One of the things that really struck uh, the community was Elisa's ability to connect generously and without... Uh, turning the conversation to herself. So she made a real point, especially in the last few years, of coming to readings, of attending to new poets, uh, supporting people, asking constantly about other people's work, constantly engaging in a generous, supportive way. And I think all of us have stories about um, having an email exchange with Elise that would just be voluminous in its paragraphs, asking about our work and supporting us in some way, encouraging us and that sort of thing. So uh, her her generosity of connection, particularly in the last few years, mm-hmm. uh, is something that makes our efforts to help support her new book very pleasurable. Exactly. She uh, was a teacher at UBC Continuing Studies. Uh, she tutored many students individually. Um, she edited Jillian edited, uh, Jerome's award-winning uh, book of poetry. Uh, she helped other cancer patient survivors um, and was on the board of a, um, a breast cancer, a young women's breast cancer survivor group. Um, she really went out of her way to be generous and, and yet so humble. I am sorry that I didn't get to meet her, Um, but we have her poetry, and we have this launch coming up, which is next Thursday, is that correct, on the 21st of May? 
At the Heartwood Cafe. And there are uh, some of the people you mentioned are going to be reading. The people who will be reading in her honor are, do you want to say some of them? And then I can fill in the ones that... Uh... Sure. Um, Miranda Pearson is reading. Uh, Barbara Nickel. Chris Patton. Uh, Rhea Tregobov. Um, Jordan Abel. Carolyn Adderson. Elizabeth Baczynski. Ellie's reading. Uh, you're reading. Yes. Uh, George uh, McWhorter. Christopher Patton, Jillian Jerome, who you mentioned that she helped edit, um, and Rob Taylor yes. will all be reading. All uh, very so, good readers. Yeah, it's it's quite a uh, quite a, an amazing array of good poets, good poets, um, and it is at seven o'clock from seven to nine next uh, Thursday at the Heartwood Community Cafe. That is the um, former. Rhizome. Rhizome, which is at 317 East Broadway. See, we all get it, you know, we all get it together. Between the three of us, we managed to get it all together. Um, so let's hear some more of her poetry so we can hear um, the things that you've been talking about there. You've got, how many books do you have here? Four books? We have three. Three, between so her, the two. Yeah, her first book was Fielder's Choice, her second book, Chameleon Hours, and her third is The Exiles Gallery. So this is a poem from Chameleon Hours, and it's called First Days Back at Work. If I can pannier a pinhead's worth of pollen back to the desk, if like the emperor penguin I could lay one egg, warm its delicate surprises on my toes, such nimble kneaders my fingers used to be, will the loaf still rise? I strain like an old tug, hauling copses of logs. And that was one that appeared in um, The New Yorker in oh. 2006, yeah. And uh, various big big wig uh, uh, American poets like uh, Robert Pinsky uh, admire. In fact, he wrote the introduction and preface to her uh, latest book as well. To Exiles so, Gallery. Yes, to Exiles Gallery, yeah. In both of those poems, she talks about touching things or picking up things or choosing things yes, like needing that's right. looking for things in the treasure box and the jewelry and trying to find that put pinch that for favorite word that's sort of one of her trademarks is noticing the small details and piling them up on the reader until you're just surrounded by this atmosphere i love that it's very tactile yeah yeah i love the tactile i'm going to have to read some more of her poetry i was planning to anyway i just hadn't got around to it and then all of a sudden I saw there was this uh, book launch and wanted to have you on. Um, do you want to keep reading or do you sure. have some more to say about? Sure. I'll say that um, I got to know Elise uh, several different ways by her reputation, of course, and her poems that were published. But we collaborated on a book um, of cancer poems by Canadian poets experiencing or who had experienced cancer. And I was amazed about how many poets she knew, um, both Canadian and American, and uh, her sensitivity. I really wanted to draw upon her sensitivity about that issue. She had breast cancer and fought it successfully. But then years later, uh, just in the beginning of last year, uh, she had colon cancer uh, diagnosis, and uh, she had to hurry and worked very, very hard on this book. Uh, to make it, uh, and she really wanted to be at the launch, and it's unfortunate that uh, she'll be there in her words, and uh, as we read 
her spirit will be with us, but it's unfortunate that uh, she couldn't be to, here to celebrate it right now. There's one poem um, that I'll be reading at the launch. It's called If Clouds Had Strings. And it's interesting. It's a prompt that she found that a psychologist was using for an experiment. If clouds had stri- strings, and then um, the uh, people in the experiment would... Uh, say whatever was in their mind and so she developed it into a poem and it's an interesting poem because it it's about how humans have commodified nature mm-hmm. but it's not a serious political bang you on the head kind of poem it's very whimsical and humorous but serious as well if clouds had strings there's one tied to a fence by a rancher yearning for shade lashed to a mall's arch Two shift dolorous haunches, chained elephants. Not just bits of scenery towed by deity fingers, deft, abstracted as typists, their management praised in Wesleyan homilies, but flocks, nabbed for sets by producers, tugged down the coast, burbanked for cameos, wrangled to shroud a turret. A cloud's birthright to drift. But they'd be bailed, surely, sweatshop bolsters on pallets, or bartered, resort backlog dragged over ski lifts. Parade effigies corralled towards sooty boulevards, stockpiled by defense, crammed into silos for a hurricane arsenal. If hoarded for personal grief or rich children's kites, perhaps a grassroots co-op could assemble thousands for launching. Relief during tarmelt Julys to cool barrio alleys. Stack above parched corn. Refresh a threatened pampa's bellwether fly. Here, one is the only decor snagged by the truck stop where the waitress pauses, admiring its mauves from a booth by the door as she dabs at a mustard smear. When her shift ends, she strides through the parking lot and snips its soiled tether with the night cook's shears. <laughs> Freedom for the clouds. <laughs> I love that. The capitalism, <clears throat> grassroots co-op, but it's kind of something. Yeah, it's a left-wing poem. <laughs> yeah, and um, you can see that waitress. Yes. Just in that detail, like the mustard stain and then the march across the... Yeah, it's this very painterly approach, very exact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can, you can see in that description, or here in that description, that that waitress was sitting there planning that the whole yes. time, right? Like, like it's as soon as she's off work, that's the first thing she's going to do. That's right, and it mirrors her own being tethered to her job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. You're listening to Fiona Tinwe Lam and to Ellie Crowley Gardner reading poems by Elise Partridge today, uh, who passed away in January. But her uh, posthumous book, uh, The Exiles Gallery, will be launching next Thursday at the Hartwood Cafe, and Ellie's going to read us a poem now. One of the things Elise and I sort of bonded over is the fact that we're both American. I'm from Boston, and she spent quite a bit of time in Boston, too. So we used to have fun sort of comparing notes and thinking about how that affected not only poetry, but also our outlook. So I thought I'd read a poem from Fielder's Choice called Pauper, Boston, 1988. And I can say, um, my sister's a social worker in Boston, and I can say that I've been to the scenario that's that Elise is describing here. Um, it's not only accurate, but another thing about Elise's poetry, she's not afraid of rhyme. Mm-hmm. With a lot of people, it can be hokey. She was really daring and used it um, to great effect. So pardon my reading. It's not going to match Elise's, but here we go. 
Popper, Boston, 1988. The landlady got no reply that April day when she stopped by, rapping on the grimy steel door, Washington Way, apartment four. Senior housing, gray concrete, 16 stories, honking street, scabbed dumpster hulking just outside. Security came. The tenant had died approximately three days before, according to the coroner. Housing notified his VA and the funeral home, Francis Shea, who did city cases for set fees. Management changed the lock and keys. Maintenance was dispatched to clear the rooms where he had lived five years. No one knew the man's history. He'd said he had no family that could be traced, that he used to box, worked in a factory gluing clocks, had breakdowns, wound up in the street, a cop had noticed his swollen feet month after month and finally called someone in housing at City Hall. It took a day to get the place clean. At the end, they'd filled 13 trash can liners. Then they tossed his bed, scattering armfuls of moldy bread to curious pigeons. The veterans sank a flag by his prepaid stone. The city paid the last of his rent. Housing recycled his documents. Wow. <laughs> and when you talked to her about the that you knew that place, um, was this a true story? Is that how she knew all the de- like she names the people and that work at the city? She yeah, Francis Francis Shea is actually a very famous funeral home okay. in Boston. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was a person who had <clears throat> no, yeah. no. Um, I don't know exactly which particular episode this is from if she witnessed something like this clearly she had some proximity to it um but she and i used to talk about boston and brookline and new york Mm -hmm. and where she's got family and so um you can really see the roots of the east coast weaving throughout her poems Mm -hmm. and as you said she's using rhyme in that poem but it's not um it's not like it's not it doesn't sound like rhyming couplets it's because she's taken like all the kind of iambic pentameter, all the, like, it's just details, right? Yeah. They're not even sentences. And oftentimes when people rhyme, they use extra words to get that rhythm, right? But yeah. she's, she plays is, really well with mm-hmm. the enjambment, with the line breaks, with turning the, the line, leaving one word on one line and breaking the line to begin anew. She does that beautifully. I really encourage people to get a copy, not only of the Exiles Gallery, but of Fielder's Choice and Chameleon Hours. We're going to have Pulp Fiction books selling the books uh, at the launch. So That was my next question. Yeah. Where can they get them? <laughs> That's great. So all of her books will be on sale yes. mm-hmm. at, the, at the launch. Uh, you mentioned just before you read that, that I don't think I can do this justice. I can't read it the way. Was she a good reader? Yeah, she was. I, I had a chance. I, I only uh, heard her read in real life when I was actually reading with her. Mm-hmm. And I brought a poem that she read at that event. At the um, There was a conference, a creative writing conference at UBC a year ago. And that was her last reading. But uh, Elise was, as you can tell from her poems, she was really sensitive and she was also very gracious. So And she had, a, she had this like, great sense of humor. So uh, she was able to bring a lightness and a brightness to her readings that... I'm not sure, you know, for somebody who was kind of shy and sort of, um, you know, didn't always want the attention to be on her, I think she had an ambivalence with standing up and proclaiming her poetry. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, she really enjoyed the craft and she got a kick out of it. So I think those qualities really made her um, 
have a great bond with the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you read your poems, you see that you see or hear in a different way if they work, right? I've got reading copies of poems that have scribbles on them, right? Because I read it and then I say, oh, I thought this poem was finished. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other people say that too, yeah. right? I thought this poem was finished and then... Every time I read it, it's not. Well, hers are all finished, and I can tell you there were a lot of the choices that I love on the page that I just thought there's no way I can trip through this on uh, co-op radio. I have to, I'd have <laughs> to really study because some of the, her word choices are arcane and they're um, foreign and they're esoteric and they're so much fun to read. But if you were going to read them out loud, you'd want to practice quite a bit. So, how did you choose both of you? How did you choose the poems to read? next Thursday, if you have already, and today. Well, I'm reading the uh, the Clouds Had Strings, If the Clouds Had Strings poem, because it's very um, imaginative and whimsical and funny and serious at the same time and has a, a narrative line uh, to it. And for me, I'm just reading the ones that I felt a certain personal affinity with, some of the ones from Boston, for example. Okay. Do you want to share some more? Sure. I'm going to read a very short, <clears throat> short poem. And um, what's great about Elise is she knew her um, use of silence and space uh, to, to good effect. She'd use it to, to very good effect. And this one is almost haiku-like. It's really a more of a sonic poem. Some are tactile poems, and this is a, a sonic and, and visual poem that captures the sounds of the forest. So it's more than onomatopoeia, you know, sounds that sort of mimic the sense. Um, There's a real sense on the page, the way it's spread out, with just a few little dashes and strokes of a hummingbird. It's called Hummingbird Cohen uh, for her uh, friend Barbara Nickel, um, who will be um, reading on, uh, on Thursday night. And it captures that essence of hummingbird. Mountain Peak, Hush. Grove like a revolution booth. Wish rush of pines. Wish rush. I wait for truth to descend like a mitre. Elliptical elliptical scrabble chipmunks. Green and radishy flashing. Gleam, gleam, gleam. I love that last line, glean, because that's exactly how a hummingbird sounds when they sort of thrum near your ear. And and that's uh, what they're doing. And that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what a glean sounds like. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Huh, that's that's good. That's interesting. Um, Before we hear another one, I wanted to ask you, so these, I'm looking at the, the list of names up here on the computer screen, and you, you mentioned what your connection is, and I know some of the connections with other people. How is it chosen? Who was the people that wanted, who went to, and, and uh, I always can't say that word, Anansi. <laughs> I always want to say Anasazi, Anasazi from being in uh, New Mexico. So um, did they go to these people, or did these people come and say, how did, how did this end up this being this list really it's just an act of community and love so um several of her friends just uh felt the need to bring this book out and her husband elisa's husband steve partridge has just been incredibly generous and very um stoic about these moments after elisa's death and you know he worked really hard on the book with her and we'll be actually at the launch signing copies in her stead, which is, uh, mm. which is lovely. 
<clears throat> excuse me, but um, it was more it was more how do we not get the whole village right. involved? So um, <laughs> you know, it started out with just a couple people, and then it just mushroomed. And I'm sure that it will be one of several readings. And in fact, there's a move um, by a lot of us to include a piece of Elise's poems whenever we do our own readings in the hopes that we can Mm. continue it and carry it on. Because if you're not around to promote your own book, it kind of falls by the wayside. And I think all of us feel strongly that this active community is something that we can effortlessly do, not only for ourselves and our friendship with her, but also for the Canadian and American literary community, keeping that work with us and continuing to learn from it. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's so true that there is very something very special about Elise that she would read other people's books and compliment them um, and congratulate them. They she wasn't competitive. You know how there's so many different poetry camps and styles and yes. so forth in this city and across Canada, and they tend to sort of stick to themselves. You don't really know people in that group, but she was. Uh, so supportive of different approaches to poetry. As long as there was craft and care, uh, she would give you attention, give attention to your work, and you know, go out even if she didn't know you very well and say, "Oh, I read your book, and I, I love this poem and how it worked." So reaching out that way, we sort of it modeled the kind of behavior we would like to see more of in the poetry community in Vancouver and our province and our country. Yeah, that's one of the things that we try to do here too. Is break yes, down those and. Speaking of reading her poems, this is kind of a nice uh, segue into some of the announcements I wanted to make. On 27th of May, Vancouver Poetry Slam is having what they're calling a cover slam. Hmm. So you have to come and do somebody else's work. One of the rules of the slam shtick is that you have to do your own work. But for the cover slam, you have to do somebody else's work. And there's an open mic and there's a slam and you don't have to care about the points. I get up up there on the stage all the time and I'm not competing. It's wonderful to get to read work to 100 people some of whom have not heard very much poetry. That's why I do it. Come and read some Louise Partridge poetry. Yeah, that's a great idea. On May 27th, that's at Café du Soleil. So it's because it's one of the alt slams, the alternate slams, it's on a Wednesday night. So let me just say another, a few more events, and then we'll give the details of of the launch again. Because there's like, if you're looking at me scrolling down, talking about all the different groups of, uh, you guys are looking up, obviously our listeners are not. Um, Twisted Poets is uh, May 13th, so that is today, right? Yes, today, uh, tonight, uh, the guests are Kayla Zaga and uh, Patrick Friesen, who is launching a book, Um, and that is, his uh, book is called The Shunning for Stage, I think is what it's called, and that has been adapted. I believe that's the book that he's... No, he's launching, sorry, A Short History of Crazy Bone, which is a long poem. And that is uh, at uh, Cottage Bistro. Cottage Bistro on Main Street, 4468 Main Street, which is about 28th Avenue. That is tomorrow. Um, Next week, Mike McGee, who has been the National Poetry Slam champion in the United States. He calls himself a stand-up poet, and he does a lot of really interesting stuff. He says a spokesperson for spina bifida, that sort of thing. He is going to be uh, the feature at the slam on Monday. And then on Thursday night, he's doing a show, Mighty Mike McGee and Friends at Wise Hall. Uh, So that is another show next Thursday with Mike McGee while he's in town. Um, Let's see what else. We're almost out of time. So tonight, Wise Wednesday workshops with chicken like birds. If you want to go and 
play with poetry and sound. I went last week and it was all musicians and we were writing a song and so they needed a poet. They needed a poet. So it's nice to be feel yes. needed as a poet. Yes, so it sure does. You want to do <laughs> that? Rare. Yeah, go to the Wise Hall Lounge because that's really fun. Um, and then this uh, Saturday at the People's Co-op Bookstore at 7 o'clock, there's the Poetries, Five West Coast Poets. And that is Jordan Abel again, Elizabeth Colin, Colin or Colin, Shalene Knight, who has a book recently, Jordan Scott and Deborah Woodard. And tell us once again about your event for Elise Partridge's book, The Exiles Gallery. When is it? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Thursday, May 21st at 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. at Hartwood Community Cafe. There's a slew of readers who will be representing Elise's work, The Exiles Gallery, published by Nancy Poetry. Uh, and we hope everyone will come. It's a free event, and we'll have her books for sale. And is there? Um, is have all her books been published with Nancy? Or no? Uh, one her. Let's see. Fielder's Choice is by Signal Editions, and uh, Chameleon Hours is a Nancy, and Exiles Gallery is a Nancy. So Fielder's Choice is an uh, is an American publisher. Then is that? I think is that a Signal? I think no. It is. It's an imprint of Vehicle. Oh, okay. In Quebec. Okay. Um, and yeah, she ended up living in Vancouver, so she's got this, these roots here now, but she was, uh, well known on both sides of the borders, as you said, New Yorker published poet, but then also a poet's poet in the sense that she was very supportive of everybody else's work as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming and sharing her work and giving us a real kind of snapshot portrait if for the listeners who didn't know her and a little homage for the people who did. Our pleasure. Thanks for making the space for it. And if anybody's curious, there's, um, ElisePartridge.org, a website you can go to to learn more about her work. And you can also go to our Facebook page, the launch for Elise Partridge's Exiles Gallery. ElisePartridge.org. Great. Thank Thanks you so for, much, Pam. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Uh, no Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?